Section 3 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Ernest. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Night, 800 93. When it was the eight hundred and ninety-third night, she pursued, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the king of France wrote to the caliph and prince of true believers, Harun al-Rashid, a writ humbling himself by asking for his daughter Miriam and begging of his favor that he write to all the Moslems enjoining her seizure and sending back to him by a trusty messenger of the servants of his highness, the commander of the faithful, adding, and in requital of your help and aidance in this matter, we will appoint to you half of the city of Rome the Great, that thou mayst build therein mosques for the Moslems, and the tribute thereof shall be forwarded to you. And after writing this writ, by read of his grandees and lords of the land, he folded the scroll, and calling his wazir, whom he had appointed in the stead of the monocular minister, bade him seal it with the seal of the kingdom, and the officers of state also set hands and seals thereto, after which the king bade the wazir bear the letter to Baghdad, the palace of peace, and hand it into the caliph's own hand, saying, And thou bring her back, thou shalt have of me the fiefs of two emirs, and I will bestow on thee a robe of honor, with two fold fringes of gold. The caliph bade admit him, so he went in, and kissing ground before him, handed to him the letter of the king of France, together with rich gifts and rare presents beseeming the commander of the faithful. When the caliph read the writ, and apprehended its significance, he commanded his wazir to write, without stay or delay, dispatches to all the lands of the Moslems, setting out the name and favor of Princess Miriam, and of Nur al-Din, stating how they had eloped and bidding all who found them lay hands on them and send them to the commander of the faithful and warning them on no wise in that matter to use delay or indifference so the wazir wrote the letters and sealing them dispatched them by couriers to the different governors who hastened to obey the caliph's commandment and addressed themselves to make search in all the lands for persons of such name and favor on this wise it fared with the governors and their subject but as regards nur al-din and miriam the girl girl they fared on without delay after defeating the king of france and his force and the protector protected them till they came to the land of syria and entered damascus city now the couriers of the caliph had foregone them thither by a day and the emir of damascus knew that he was commanded to arrest the twain as soon as found that he might send them to the caliph. Accordingly, when they entered the city, the secret police accosted them, and asked them their names. They told them the truth, and acquainted them with their adventure, and all that had betided them, whereupon they knew them for those of whom they were in search, and seizing them, carried them before the governor of the city. He dispatched them to the city of Baghdad under escort of his officers, who, when they came thither, craved audience of the caliph which he graciously granted so they came into the presence and kissing ground before him said o commander of the faithful this is miriam the girdle girl daughter of the king of france and this is the captive nur al-din 
son of the merchant Taj al-Din of Cairo, who debauched her from her sire, and stealing her from his kingdom and country, fled with her to Damascus, where we found the twain as they entered the city and questioned them. They told us the truth of their case, so we laid hands on them and brought them before thee. The caliph looked at Miriam and saw that she was slender and shapely of form and stature, the handsomest of the folk of her tide, and the unique pearl of her age and her time. Sweet of speech and fluent of tongue, stable of soul and hearty of heart. Thereupon she kissed the ground between his hands and wished him permanence of glory and prosperity and surcease of evil and enmity. He admired the beauty of her figure, and the sweetness of her voice, and the readiness of her replies, and said to her, Art thou Miriam the girdle-girl, daughter of the king of France? Answered she, Yes, O prince of true believers, and priest of those who the unity of Allah receive, and defender of the faith, and cousin of the primate of the apostles. Then the caliph turned to Nur al-Din Ali, and seeing him to be a shapely youth, as he were the shining full moon on fourteenth night, said to him, And thou, art thou Ali Nur al-Din, son of the merchant Taj al-Din of Cairo? Said he, Yes, O commander of the faithful, and stay of those who for righteousness are careful. The caliph asked, How cometh it that thou hast taken this damsel and fled forth with her of her father's kingdom? So Nur al-Din proceeded to relate to the commander of the faithful all his past, first and last, whereat the caliph was astonished with extreme astonishment, and diverted and exclaimed, How manifold are the sufferings that men suffer! And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of Night 893 Night 894 When it was the 894th night, she resumed, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the caliph Harun al-Rashid asked Nur al-Din of his adventure and was told of all that had passed, first and last, he was astonished with extreme astonishment and exclaimed, How manifold are the sufferings that men suffer! Then he turned to the princess and said to her, Know, O Miriam, that thy father, the king of France, hath written to me anent thee. What sayest thou? She replied, O vicar of Allah on his earth, and executor of the precepts of his prophet and commands to man's unworth, may he vouchsafe thee eternal prosperity, and ward thee from evil and enmity. Thou art vice-regent of Allah in his earth, and I have entered thy faith, for that it is the creed which truth and righteousness inspire. I have left the religion of the miscreants, who make the Messiah a liar, and I am become a true believer in Allah, the bountiful, and in the revelation of his compassionate apostle. I worship Allah, extolled and exalted be he, and acknowledge him to be the one God, and prostrate myself humbly before him, and glorify him. And I say before the caliph, Verily I testify that there is no God but the God, and I testify that Muhammad is the messenger of God, whom he sent with the guidance and the true faith, that he might make it victorious over every other religion, albeit they who assign partners to God be averse from it. Is it therefore in thy competence, O commander of the faithful, to comply with the letter of the king of the heretics and send me back to the land of the schismatics who deny the faith and give partners to the all-wise king, who magnify the cross and bow down before idols and believe in the divinity of Jesus, 
for all he was only a creature. And thou deal with me thus, O vice-regent of Allah, I will lay hold upon thy skirts on the day of muster before the Lord, and make my complaint of thee to thy cousin the apostle of Allah, whom God assain and persevere, on the day when wealth availeth not neither children, save one come unto Allah wholehearted. Answered the caliph, O Miriam, Allah forfend that I should do this ever. How can I send back a Moslemah, believer in the one God and in his apostle, to that which Allah hath forbidden, and eke his messenger hath forbidden? Quoth she, I testify that there is no God but the God, and that Muhammad is the apostle of God. Rejoined the Caliph, O Miriam, Allah bless and direct thee in the way of righteousness. Since thou art a Moslemah and a believer in Allah the One, I owe thee a duty of obligation, and it is that I should never transgress against thee, nor forsake thee. Thou be lavished unto me on thine account, the world full of gold and gems. So be of good cheer, and eyes clear of tear, and be thy breast broadened, and thy case not save easy. Art thou willing that this youth Ali of Cairo be to thee man, and thou to him wife? Replied Miriam, O prince of true believers, how should I be other than willing to take him to husband, seeing that he bought me with his money, and hath entreated me with the utmost kindness, and, for crown of his good offices, he hath ventured his life for my sake many times? So the caliph summoned the kazi and the witnesses, and married her to him, assigning her a dowry, and causing the grandees of his realm be present, and the marriage day was a notable. Then he turned to the wazir of the French king, who was present, and said to him, Hast thou heard her words? How can I send her back to her father, the infidel, seeing that she is a Moslema and a believer in the unity? Belike he will evil entreat her, and deal harshly with her, more by token that she hath slain his sons, and I shall bear blame for her on resurrection day. And indeed, quoth the Almighty, Allah will by no means make a way for the infidels over the true believers. So return to thy king, and say to him, Turn from this thing, and hope not to come at thy desire thereof. Now this wazir was a zany. So he said to the caliph, O commander of the faithful, by the virtue of the Messiah, and of the faith which is no liar, were Miriam forty times a Muslimah, and forty times thereto, I may not depart from thee without that same Miriam. And if thou send her not back with me of free will, I will hie me to her sire, and cause him dispatch thee and host, wherewith I will come upon you from the landward and the seaward, and the van whereof shall be at your capital city, whilst their rear is yet on the Euphrates, and they shall lay waste thy realms. When the caliph heard these words from the accursed wazir of the king of France, the light in his face became night, and he was wroth at his speech with exceeding wrath, and said to him, O damned one, O dog of the Nazarenes, art thou come to such power that thou durst assail me with the king of the Franks? Then quoth he to his guards, Take this accursed and do him die. And he repeated this couplet, This be his recompense who will, oppose and thwart his betters will. Then he commanded to cut off the wazir's head and burn his body. But Princess Miriam cried, O commander of the faithful, soil not thy sword with the blood of this accursed. So saying, she bared her brand, and smote him, and made his head fly from his corpse, and he went to the house of ungrace. His abode was Gehenna, and evil is the abiding place. The caliph marveled at the force of her forearm, 
and the strength of her mind, and they carried the dead wazir forth of the pavilion and burnt him. Then the commander of the faithful bestowed upon Nur al-Din a splendid robe of honor, and assigned to him and her a lodging in his palace. Moreover, he appointed them sold, and rations, and commanded to transport to their quarters all they needed of raiment and furniture and vessels of price. They sojourned a while in Baghdad, in all delight of life and solace thereof, till Nur al-Din longed for his mother and father. So he submitted the matter to the caliph, and sought his leave to revisit his native land and visit his kinsfolk, and he granted him the permission he sought, and calling Miriam, commended them to each other. He also loaded them with costly presents and rarities, and bade write letters to the emirs of Olima and notables of Cairo the God-guarded, commending Nur al-Din and his wife and parents to their care, and charging them honor them with the highmost honor. When the news reached Cairo, the merchant Taj al-Din joyed at the return of his son, and Nur al-Din's mother likewise rejoiced therein with passing joy. The emirs and the notables of the city went forth to meet him in obedience to the caliph's injunctions, and indeed it was for them a right noteworthy day, wherein foregathered the lover and the beloved, and the seeker attained the sought. Moreover, all the emirs made them bride feasts, each on his own day, and joyed in them with joy exceeding, and vied in doing them honor, one the other succeeding. When Nur al-Din foregathered with his mother and father, they were gladdened in each other with the utmost gladness and care and affliction ceased from them, whilst his parents joyed no less in the princess Miriam, and honored her with the highmost honor. Every day there came to them presents from all the emirs and great merchants, and they were in new delight and gladness, exceeding the gladness of festival. Then they ceased not abiding in solace, in pleasance and good cheer and abounding prosperity, eating and drinking with mirth and merriment, till there came to them the destroyer of delights and sunderer of societies, waster of houses and palace domes and peopler of the bellies of the tombs. So they were removed from worldly stead and became of the number of the dead, and glory be to the living one who dieth not, and in whose hand are the keys of the seen and the unseen. And a tale was also told by the emir Suj al-Din, prefect of Cairo, Anent. THE MAN OF UPPER EGYPT AND HIS FRANKISH WIFE We lay one night in the house of a man of Said, or Upper Egypt, and he entertained us and entreated us hospitably. Now he was a very old man, swart with exceeding swarthiness, and he had little children, who were white, of a white dashed with red. So we said to him, Hark ye, such an one, how cometh that these thy children are white, whilst thou thyself art passing swart? And he said, their mother was a Frankish woman, whom I took prisoner in the days of al-Malik al-Nasir Salah al-Din, after the battle of Hatin, when I was a young man. We asked, And how gottest thou her? And he answered, I had a rare adventure with her. Quoth we, Favor us with it. And quoth he, With all my heart. You must know that I once sowed a crop of flax in these parts, and pulled it, and scutched it, and spent on it five hundred gold pieces, after which I would have sold it, but could get no more than this therefore, and the folk said to me, Carry it to Acre, for there thou wilt haply make good gain by it. Now Acre was then in the hands of the Franks. So I carried my flax thither, and sold part of it at six months' credit. One day, as I was selling, behold, 
there came up a Frankish woman. Now tis the custom of the women of the Franks to go about the market streets with unveiled faces, to buy flax for me, and I saw her beauty what dazed my wits. So I sold her somewhat of flax, and was easy with her concerning the price, and she took it and went away. Some days after she returned and bought somewhat more flax of me, and I was yet easier with her about the price, and she repeated her visits to me, seeing that I was in love with her. Now she was used to walk in company of an old woman to whom I said, I am sore enamoured of thy mistress. Canst thou contrive for me to enjoy her? Quoth she, I will contrive this for thee, but the secret must not go beyond us three, me, thee, and her, and there is no help but that thou be lavish with money to boot. And I answered, saying, Though my life were the price of her favours, twere no great matter. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of Night 894 Recording by Mark Ernest